hard-hitting medical truth, cutting through conflict and confusion to the understanding you're searching for. Join Dr. Peter McCullough, world-renowned medical expert and practicing physician for this edition of the McCullough Report. Your life may depend on it. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report, and I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. It's a great pleasure to welcome to the microphone someone who I've actually already seen now in video, and she's young, she's dynamic, attractive, uh, and has, I think, a really, really important, compassionate message to tell us today. And it has to do with her production of a new documentary called Anecdotals. And that's Jennifer Sharp. Jennifer, welcome to the McCullough Report. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm very honored to be here. Jennifer, uh, tell us a little bit about your background, uh, where you grew up and where you went to uh, college, et cetera. Yeah, I'm fr- I grew up in Ohio, so I'm a Midwestern. And then I went to New York, NYU. And from there, I studied acting and film. And I've wanted to make movies since I was six years old. So that's just kind of been my goal. Um, So I went to NYU. I made some movies in New York. um, And then I moved to Los Angeles because I thought that was the place to be if I'm going to make movies. So I did that whole journey. um, And then I've been in Los Angeles for like 17 years making movies. And I generally make fiction, comedy, really deep cerebral, but like not anything like anecdotals. (laughs) You know, it's like I'm used to doing like comedy and and all this stuff. So I came to LA, I've been doing it, but then because of what's been happening, um, I was really, really inspired to make this documentary anecdotals because there was just so much ignorance about what was really going on. I had a vaccine reaction and nobody was, um, nobody cared and nobody believed me and everybody was like, oh, you're so rare. And yet I was in a support group with thousands and thousands of people. So as a filmmaker, I my career has kind of culminated in like doing this documentary that I think is really, really important. And it's been an interesting journey. Many of us think uh, during the crisis that we've been called to some type of duty, some type of action to try to help others. And we find it frustrating when our loved ones and friends around us don't have the same sense of urgency. I seem to have that all the time. Uh, And uh, so I give you great credit for uh, for doing this. Now, uh, tell us, what was your biggest movie, uh, most notable movie before COVID-19? So I had um, actually Una Great Movie. Um, It's called Una Great Movie, which is a great movie. Only A is Una in Spanish. Um, And it had just been released on Amazon. Um, It actually was supposed to be released in the movie theaters July of 2020. And then everything closed with COVID. So that whole distribution thing got shut down and I had to rework it all. But yeah, it was it's Una great movie. It's on Amazon Prime. So it's free if you're a member. It's rental if you're not. Um, and I'm really proud of it. It's my it's and I was it's part of the reason I was a little afraid to make anecdotals because I knew if I jumped in the COVID crossfire, I could become blacklisted. I could become, you know, it could really start to affect my filmmaking career. Like, is it going to hurt? Is it going to hurt Una Great Movie? Because Una Great Movie was just released. Um, and I've put six years of my life into making it. So I'm really serious about that movie and love it. And um, yeah, so that would be like my big, my big movie. And then now with anecdotals, hopefully I can, it it still works, you know, hopefully I don't get blacklisted from the industry. <laughs> now, if you were to make a movie about cancer or heart disease or some other medical problem, uh, would you expect to get blacklisted for that? 
No. And that's like the craziest thing. Like, I just don't understand. And even when I tell people I had an adverse reaction, people love to say, well, it's, you know, sorry for you. It's so rare, but rare adverse reactions do happen. And I'm like, if I had a rare cancer, that was like the rarest cancer, I can't believe people would be saying, oh, your cancer is so rare. You know, they'd be giving me empathy. They'd be like, I'm so sorry you have this cancer. Like, tell me more. How do you feel? And, and that's what got me too, is I'm like, really, like, I'm afraid to make this movie like I actually am making a movie about my personal experience and I'm afraid like there's something wrong with that, which was even more of a reason for me to make the movie. You know, sure. And, sure. Yeah. If you had a, if you had a rare cancer and you were an activist before you know it, you'd have a charitable foundation. You'd be raising money <laughs> for this. People would be running five K's and 10 K's and everybody would be donating money and everybody would be concerned regarding this, this cancer. But when it comes to a vaccine, and it comes to a side effect, and, and I would say almost any side effect of any <clears throat> vaccine from the history of vaccines, it seems like people actually want to turn a blind eye. Yeah, they 100% want to turn a blind eye. And I, that's what would happen is I would, I would have my reaction and I'd start telling people and nobody wanted to hear about it. And the people who loved me the most and my best friends, the most they would do was sit and listen. But when I was done talking, we would change the subject. Like they'd never inquire more questions. They'd never get really into it. They they let me talk. But then I started feeling like this crazy ranting person when all I'm doing is just trying to get some compassion for my experience. Um, you know, especially like when the mandates came in, and I'm like, do you guys realize that I'm not allowed to participate in society? This is not okay. And you know, and then having friends say, well, it is a public health issue, and I was just like, oh my gosh, it's so frustrating. Yeah, it's true. When I try to describe to people why I'm so <clears throat> activated on this issue, I have people politely listen and they kind of watch, but they don't seem to show any. Uh, there's no catch there. There's no like, yeah, I'm with it uh, with you on this. Um, there's just no um, <clears throat> engagement yeah. on, on this uh, at all. Family members, friends, they. Uh, you know, as soon as the conversation is done, they're like, well, okay, let's go out and go skiing or let's go out and go jogging. It's like, uh, okay. I, I mean, we're yeah. having scores of people uh, become injured, have disabilities, uh, die, and, and no one seems to care. The thing that's most notable to me is even when people die, they've taken the vaccine and die. Where is the outrage from the spouse and the family members? Right. Right. And why are they? Yeah, there's no. And there is it just that so many people like legitimately do not realize that their husbands just had a heart attack because of the vaccine, like because the, the hospital didn't say anything. Do they really think it was just a random event? Is, is that it? Or are they just afraid to see it? Or do they think it? And I mean, I don't know. Like, it's it perplexes me. Like, you maybe they just don't know. Like, <laughs> you, you, you know, I, I talk to medical people. And doctors, and they just don't put it together. We're at 740 papers on vaccine-induced myocarditis. The medical literature is overflowing with evidence that the vaccines cause heart damage and sudden death. And the doctors, they seem bewildered. Or, uh, you, you know, I've talked to some young doctors. I said, the next cardiac arrest comes in. Do, do you consider the vaccine? And they just look at me with a blank look. It's just, yeah. it's it's astonishing. I, I can't figure it out. People yeah. have said, I've used the term mass formation, uh, which means that the, the somehow people are in some type of trance-like state. 
Now, I don't know if it's mass formation or or what, but I, I do sense that there's an a lack there's a lack of appropriate concern. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay, so um, so you were an independent producer uh, going along. And I assume you took the vaccine because uh, Screen Actors Guild and so many other uh, important parts of your life have told you you had to take the vaccine, right? Yeah, it was. I was actually working with kids at the time, also at the at the Y, and so we were one of the first to be able to get it. And so, you know, I got an email from my supervisor that was like, "Okay, here's your link. Go get your vaccine at USC Medical Center," and and you know, and everybody's just kind of expected to go. And I was looking, I was just like, let me look. Um, so I looked through all Facebook and the news and like, what are they saying about the vaccine? Cause I was like, this is, I was definitely trying to do my due diligence, but every single thing I found was positive. The vaccine works. And I would watch doctors on YouTube and they'd be like, oh, you think it's it's been fast, but the problem that, you know, it hasn't really been fast tracked. They just skipped phase three, which was such and such, but they, and I'm like, okay. So I, I reached out to one friend who's uh, been anti-vaccine for years. And I asked her to send me some literature because I was like, all I'm seeing are positive things. And I would like to see some of the negative because I can't find any. And so she sent me some stuff. And that was when I actually watched like this hour and a half interview with, I should, I should know his name, Geert Vandervert. Mm-hmm. So it was an hour and a half with him. And it was this very like heady <coughs> interview, but it made a lot of sense. And it was about how we don't understand long haulers. We don't understand COVID. We don't understand the spike protein. So why are we putting the spike protein? You know, that could be causing long long haulers. And it just made total sense. And I was like, you know, I'm not feeling good about this vaccine. Um, And I I said, there's just a lot we don't know. Could be yes, could be no. But then everybody was getting it. And I, you know, for the job. And I was just like, you know, I'm going to take a chance. I was not excited when I got it. I was not posting pictures of me taking it. I was like, okay, let's just hope that this works. This could be our only way out right now. I really wasn't sure either way. Like I was skeptical, but I also was like, maybe it will work. So I took a chance and I did it. Well, wait a minute. Um, had you had already had COVID by that time? I had not had COVID. So okay. yeah, if I, if I had, had that, different thing. but you look uh, to me, you know, seeing you on film, you look young, athletic. Uh, yeah. you, you don't look like you'd somebody who honestly would be afraid of COVID. Were you actually afraid of yourself of getting the illness? Um, no, I wasn't. Um, my boyfriend had gotten it. He'd gotten over it. And from what I'd seen, I'm like, no, people are getting over it. But you know what? I didn't know as much then as I do now, like too. like, they just weren't telling you, like they really were making it seem like so many people were dying. And I did know a few people who had died of COVID. And so it's just kind of like, I, I definitely, I wasn't afraid. Um, but I was, I felt like I had a healthy fear of it. But in the end, it's not healthy. Like it, I had an unhealthy fear. It, I wasn't as bad as most people, but um, I did think, okay, well, I don't want to get it. You know, I, I was like, okay, if this will stop it, if this will stop the spread. I also was like, I want to see my dad and my mom. They're getting older. They're in their 80s. So if this means that I can see my dad and mom, then I want this. Now, um, <clears throat> when did you take the vaccines and then what brand? So I did Pfizer on March 5th. And that was my very first, I only did one because from my first shot immediately that night, like numbness, sweating, headache, couldn't feel my face, couldn't feel the left side of my body, ankle swelling, knee swelling, everything on the left side um, that night. And it lasted for over three weeks. So when it came the day before to get my second shot, I was like, well, if I still can't feel my face from the first shot, 
I probably shouldn't get the second. <laughs> so what was yeah, your I, face? Was your face uh, drooping in the mirror or, or it asymmetric? felt like it would be it's like, I was like, I'm sure if I look in the mirror, my eyes drooping, my face is drooping. And I looked in the mirror and I looked perfectly fine. There was no, there was nothing asymmetrical, it, but it felt like it. And it, and then it, I like, I couldn't feel it. And I even contacted the NIH and I got a hold of somebody and I was like, look, this is what's happened. I need advisement. Should I get a second shot? Should I not get a second shot? Like, what does this mean? And they actually replied to me and they were like, we're sorry, we can't give you medical advice. Talk to your primary care physician. <laughs> and I don't well, have one because I don't have insurance. Well, you showed you showed good uh, judgment. You know, if you have a reaction with uh, one shot and you're going to take a shot of a second thing again, it's only going to get worse. And in the published studies, it's about 80 times worse with the second shot. So if this distributed to your uh, peripheral nerves in your skin, and it just, it probably hit a center in the brain that controlled uh, what we consider hemianesthesia. And um, it, it, the second shot could have distributed in another area or the same area and just led to a, a permanent stroke or Guillain-Barre wow. syndrome. It's hard to know what was evolving but it certainly wasn't good. Now, did your syndrome ultimately resolve? So I'm, so it was March 5th of 2020. It's like 20 months later, I'm almost at two years. And basically what I have now is almost every morning I'll wake up and my left calf will be, and my left foot will feel like they're asleep. And it's mild to the point where I'm like, oh, maybe my foot's just asleep. But it happens every morning and it's happened since the vaccine. Like it's it's definitely and it lasts for a while. Like I have to walk around um, and then every now and then, and then throughout the day, I'll get like needle pricks, like a, like on the palm, on my cheek, on my arm. Like I'll just feel like someone poked, jabbed me with a needle. So these needle pricks come and go throughout the day. Um, and that's where I am. It's, it's totally livable. Like it's like I'm like, oh, OK, I have and my palm itches a lot. My fingers will start itching. So I have these random things, but they're very mild and they come and go. And my left leg falls asleep a lot. Um, but J Jennifer, before all this, I mean, you sound to me like you're a very intelligent, a young woman. Uh, you were perfectly normal. You didn't have any yeah. of these things before the vaccine. Right? I had nothing. In fact, I was, I even, you know, a couple years back stopped competing, but I was competing competitively on in beach volleyball. So I was a professional athlete. Like I was in really good shape and didn't have any, any neurological problems at all. <laughs> now, did any doctor or any healthcare personnel ultimately see you and said, yes, you, you had a small fiber neuropathy or you had a, a dysesthesia due to the vaccine. Anybody had come clean with you on this? So I went to a couple whole health doctors and you know, that, I, that I had to pay, like I'm a filmmaker. I don't have a lot of money and I don't have health insurance. I, um, so I was, so I would pay every night. So I paid to go to a whole health doctor and they were great. I went to two of them and they were like, yes, you, they didn't really tell me what I had, but they were like, I've been seeing this. I've been seeing this. Let's get you on some detox stuff. I was even prescribed ivermectin, um, and then like the pharmacy, I got one and then I went to get a refill and the pharmacy was like, we're, we're, we can't give you a refill. We're investigating your doctor. Um, okay. so, so you started to see that yeah. side of things, um, where again, something's wrong, right? So, uh, nobody seems to be uh, aware or concerned about these side effects, even some basic treatment, uh, an appropriate uh, use of an off-label drug you're denied, yeah. And and you're starting to think now, I imagine something is really wrong. 
something is really globally wrong. This is probably yes. happening to you, but it's probably happening to thousands and thousands of other people like you. Yeah, a hundred percent. Cause then I joined a support group on Facebook, which I luckily happened into. And I started seeing that this stuff was happening. I went to a party right when things were opening. It wasn't it was like a four person party and there were four of us in the room. And I told my story about the vaccine reaction. And at the end, um, we were talking, everybody's listened. And then an hour later, one of the women in the, par- in the party starts sobbing uncontrollably, like you've never seen a grown woman sob. And, I, and everybody turns to her and she's like, and we're like, what's going on? And she was like, I, hearing Jennifer talk, I, I didn't, I've never told anybody this, but when I got my vaccine, I was in the, I couldn't leave my bed for two weeks. I was paralyzed and I didn't know what to do. And I would tell people and nobody believed it was from the vaccine and I wasn't getting help. And I had to just research herbs online for like three weeks to cure myself is what she did. And she just was, she was just traumatized. And then she sent me a text the next day and was like, that was so therapeutic. I had no intention of sharing that. Thank you for telling me. And I was like, wow, just the fact she would have never said it if I hadn't been brave enough to tell my story. And she needed that release. Like she'd been living with, she was, she was terrified of what was happening to her body and nobody helped her. And that, and that was when I started seeing more and more. And I'm like, wow, how many other people have things going on? And like, nobody in her life wanted to believe it. I even asked her to be in the documentary a year later. And she was still like, no, I can't do it. Like too many, I haven't told people in my life. I don't talk about it. Everybody gets mad when I talk about it. No one knows. She goes, I'm still seeing a physical therapist because I still can't walk like I used to. And I can't ride my bike like I used to, but I'm, I'm getting by. Okay. And I can't be in your movie. I don't want, I don't want people to know. But what if she had taken a drug for diabetes and had, uh, you, you know, a, a reaction to a medicine with diabetes and was paralyzed in bed for two weeks? Do you think she'd still have the same amount of shame and difficulty mentally handling it? No, not, yeah, not at all. It's so crazy. It's this COVID craziness. Like, it's just like, why can't we, the only people will admit the most, okay, maybe you had a reaction, but you're rare. Like that's the most you'll get. And it's just like, no, any other, you would get compassion. You would, I would be able to make a movie, like, to be honest with you. So I, I just released it. Right. I still haven't told people in my life I made this movie. And if there's a reason for that though, I mean, one is because I know they won't be open to it. So I'm not going to just post on Facebook. Hey, everybody watch my new movie because that's not the way to get these people to listen. Um, Cause a lot of my friends are, I say vaccine advocates. Um, I have, those are my I say vaccine advocate or vaccine skeptic so that I don't fall into the political um, labeling. But like most of my people in my life are vaccine advocates. And I know if I posted on Facebook or if I was just like, hey, here's my new movie, they'll start judging me. They'll start shaming me. They won't watch it. So I have to come at them really gently because I really want them to watch it because I made it for them. I made this movie for the people who won't listen. And I made it gently for them. In many ways, one of the terms that's used all the time is red pill. So yeah. do you think this is a, a red pill movie? Yes, I do. I do. And I hope it is. And I made it to be that. And even when I was making it, it's funny, like, just to be honest, like, so I'm like, who am I going to have in the movie? So talking about, you talked about mass formation, whatever, right? So two things that really opened my eyes as well was when you went on Joe Rogan and the ivermectin thing. Like those were two things that I was like, I've been listening to Joe Rogan for years. I listened to your whole interview on Rogan. I listened to Malone's on Rogan. 
and you know, and I know everything. And suddenly everybody I know is calling Rogan a Trump supporter and an anti-vax. And, and these are people, I'm seeing them say this and I've been listening to Rogan. I know he's not, I listened to the interviews. They're great interviews. So people were jumping on a bandwagon without even without even listening to Rogan. And it was the same thing about ivermectin. I would see people I knew post on Facebook, oh, the idiots taking the horse warmers and like little cartoons, like, oh, I'm a horse. I'm not a horse, but I'll take the horse pill. Or, you know, and just it's called, acting people are stupid. And I'm like, you don't even know what ivermectin was. I looked up ivermectin, I did research on it. And I'm like, okay, I get it. Who knows about the studies? Who knows? Maybe they're wrong, maybe they're right. You can find a study for both ways. But there's no reason to be demonizing it like this. And so many people who don't even, who've never even heard of the drug are suddenly calling it a horse dewormer. And this is when I just really started to see people's brains are going crazy. Like they're not listening. They're not open. They're judging. They're talking about things they don't know. Okay. And so that- let me ask you a question then. This yeah. is important. So are you saying that those, the people who were demonizing ivermectin or demonizing hydroxychloroquine, de- demonizing any treatment for COVID-19, were they the same people who were accepting the vaccines and denying any problems with the vaccines? Are, the, are those the same people? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. And and those are the people, and it's ignorance. It, I mean, I understand it's ignorance, but it's also more than ignorance. They definitely are accountable for having just, I'm like, just don't have a strong opinion. If you're, if you're too busy to really do the research, like you can just say, you don't know, but instead everybody's like, no, I know, I know the vaccine is great. It works. You know, I mean, somebody I know got COVID, the, the whole family got COVID like a week after they got boosted and their reaction was, oh, I guess we should have gotten the booster sooner. And they could have even taken more boosters uh, after that. <clears throat> I agree with you. And then the opposite is true. Those are the doctors who are innovating, trying to treat patients, trying to help them, trying to do everything they can to save as many lives as possible. There were the same doctors who said, wait a minute, I, I'm a little bit skeptical of the vaccine. Some doctors took it, some doctors didn't. Um, it just seems like people fell into two different camps the way their minds thought about COVID. Yes. Yeah, they did. And it was and it was weird. And I found myself I found myself in an interesting place as a vaccine reaction uh, injured person where I could be like, hey, I took the vaccine. So where does it work? So do you hate me? Am I a Trump supporter? But I but I'm not for the mandates like I and, you know, I would start by saying, OK, well, I took it. I'm not an anti-vax person, but I would only say that to work my way into the conversation. And then I would immediately also just say, hey, but you can be anti-vax. Like, there's many reasons to be skeptical about this vaccine. And just because you don't want to take it you, does not mean that you should be mandated out of society, does not mean that you should lose your job. Nobody should lose your job. And you should have compassion for them. Since when are we cheering people for losing their jobs? And people were being cheered for losing their jobs because they were like, oh, well, they won't, you know, they want to kill us all. They're not, you know, they're not good citizens. They won't take the vaccine. Good for them. Lose their jobs. And I'm just like, wow, like when, when is that okay? Ever? I don't care what you believe. You know, this is so topical right now. In this week, when this uh, broadcast comes out, in this week, we've had, uh, due to a massive effort by myself and others, multiple legal cases, multiple Senate testimonies, we've had uh, the Senate and the House finally tell the military they have to drop the vaccine mandate. The military's Biden signed it. The military's agreed to drop the vaccine mandate. At the same time, Tedros, who is in charge of the WHO, is calling the unvaccinated, quote, 
killing machines, end quote. So I can tell you, now you're vaccinated. I'm not. I don't in any way consider myself a killing machine, but you can see how distorted the human mind is. So let's, let's move into your, um, the impetus for you to make this documentary anecdotals. What got it started? So it was, it was me, people not listening to me for over a year. And just like people saying vaccine reactions don't exist. And then me going to my Facebook support group and seeing people like suicidal on the page. Like, I cannot live another day like this. Like, there's no way my life can go on like this. And just the things I was reading, I just wanted to post all of those posts public so that people could see this is what's happening. Um, But, you know, we can't. It's a private group. And so it was all that. And then it was because I'm a filmmaker, people would hint to me that I should make a movie. They were like, you should make a movie on this. And I was like, no way. You know, my Una great movie is my baby. And that's what I'm putting my focus on. And um, so then I was like, no. But then I ended up having a job in New York City that I had to turn down because I wasn't allowed to do anything in New York except for work. Like they accepted my exemption, but I couldn't go to clubs, restaurants, health gyms. I couldn't do anything. And it was the winter. And I basically had to tell this job. I was like, I can't, I live in Los Angeles, but I was like, I can't come to New York for this job if I'm not allowed to participate in society. Like, it's basically like, I'm not allowed to be in New York. Um, And then, so that was one. And then I got another job in January of this year. And it was a three week job. It was a great job. It was only three weeks. And um, they told me that I couldn't, they, uh, like two weeks before the job, they were like, oh, you're not vaccinated. You can't have this job. And this was when Omicron was was like getting, going through all the vaccinated people already. So it wasn't like, I was like, come on. And I said to them, look, I'll show you my vaccine card where I have one shot. I'll show you an exemption and I'll get tested every day. I'll get tested every day. And they were like, no. And then I said to them, if you hire me, if I decide to get a second vaccine so that I can have this job, will you hold responsibility if my reaction gets worse since I've already had one? And they were like, no. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. And it was at the end of that that I was like, well, I've lost my second job. Let me make this movie. (laughs) It took that long. Wow. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to pick up this on the other side and really get into the movie anecdotals. We've been talking to Miss Jennifer Sharp, who's a young dynamic filmmaker. And uh, we're going to learn a lot more about this uh, movie on the other side of McCullough Report. So let's get real. Let's get loud on America Loud Talk Radio. This is a McCullough Report. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is a McCullough Report. Healthy Cell REM Sleep Supplement is a combination of calming herbs, amino acids, minerals, and sleep hormone support for the four stages of the human sleep cycle. Fall asleep, stay asleep, get a deep sleep, and achieve REM or rapid eye movement sleep. This is very important. So there are combinations that address in this single product the ability to fall asleep easily. There are others that help the body lower the body temperature, which is normal during sleep, and still others that cause a deep and lasting sleep. That's what so many people are after. And finally, interestingly, combinations that help creativity boosting during REM sleep. I can tell you, I use this one personally. It's in a microgel formula. I had a patient this last week who has long COVID syndrome and she has terrible GI side effects and she has GI hypomotility and said, listen, she's not even tolerating pills or these chalky, large 
vitamins, I said go to Healthy Cell. Get the Healthy Cell line. We use it in post-COVID syndrome patients. And this product particularly will help sleep get on track. Now, I tell people, listen, take it every night and do so for months and months. The body likes regular administration of any exogenous substance. Don't take it on and off. It's not like a sleeping pill. This is something you take every night to get high quality sleep back into your day. And you feel better during the day after having better quality sleep at night. So go to HealthyCell.com. And in the promo code, type in out loud for 20% off your first order. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. As Americans, we seek to form a more perfect union. To paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And God willing, we shall not perish from the earth. AmericaOutloud.com Liberty and justice for all. You know, I want to tell you about Cofix RX and a recent experience I had at my house. Cofix RX is povidone iodine nasal spray in a 1.25% solution and a spray bottle that actually actuates the povidone iodine into a gentle spray into the nose in order to kill nasal pharyngeal pathogens, including SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19. But, you know, the viruses that cause the common cold, paramyxoviruses, other coronaviruses, adenoviruses, as an example. Common bacteria, including uh, pneumococcus, haemophilus, staphylococcus, uh, streptococcus, all those common organisms that cause sinusitis. Uh, importantly, the uh, product is used with a spray pump up each nostril. Don't hold your head back, just in a neutral position and there it can be used uh, about three times a day in a 24-hour period in the active treatment of a cold. And so the household experience was my wife got a cold 
and I could tell she was getting congested. She didn't feel well. I said, let's get Cofix RX into action. We got it out of our cabinet and she started using Cofix RX about three times a day uh, while awake. And the reason why I'm telling you this is that she got through the cold. She had cold symptoms. I think they were abbreviated and less severe than they could be. But importantly, no one else in the house got sick. Cofix RX, I believe, shortened the course of uh, illness for my wife and importantly did not spread it to me or other people in my household. So I have to tell you, we're on pins and needles when anybody gets sick in the house and Cofix RX is not far away. So go to cofixrx.com and in the promotional code, uh, put in out loud for a discount. Let's get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Let's get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is a McCullough Report. And we have with us in the show today, Miss Jennifer Sharp, who has produced a documentary called Anecdotals. It is really the talk of the internet right now. It's all over the place. Multiple people are sending it to me. I've sent it to family members. And the interesting thing about this, Jennifer, is that you appear in your own movie. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about that. That, so when I knew I wanted to make a movie about vaccine reactions, I really had to think about it because I was like, okay, a documentary about vaccine reactions. I don't want this to just be a talking heads interviews because I was, I want people to listen. And I was like, the only people who are going to listen to a talking heads interview is people who already know and people who, you know, are really in the battle. And I want this accessible. I want this interesting. So how do I make this movie interesting? How do I make a movie about vaccine, you know, interesting and I thought it has to be personal. It has to. Like as a filmmaker, I was like, I have to be the face. I have to tell my story. I have to, I have to be the one guiding the audience on my journey, which was my journey of vaccine reactions, but also more, actually more importantly to me, um, was my journey politically, like being someone who's very liberal on the left, who was, you know, even pretty extreme against people who voted for Trump, like, you know, I was, you know, like, I was like, I definitely had my opinions about people who voted for Trump and about Trump. And then coming to a place where the only people that that were, would listen to me are people who actually voted for Trump and starting to realize like a lot of my, my um, stereotypes and prejudices I had, and how I've had to break them. And then how I've come to this place of like, wow, we're all manipulated. Like, I hated these Trump people a lot because of the manipulation of the media just like they hate us and they hate Obama, like, because they, they're getting manipulated on their side of the media and we're being taught to hate. And so my whole journey with having a vaccine reaction was also a journey of, of becoming more human and less judgmental and more inclusive and, and realizing my own downfalls and my own prejudices and stepping out of it and saying, Hey, I was wrong. I'm sorry. And things are different than I thought. Let's start thinking more and let's, Let's all get along. <laughs> I, I think that's a, it comes out in the movie, this left versus right dichotomy and coming to the middle. Um, I had I experienced that myself. You know, I was the lead witness in the U.S. test in the U.S. Senate uh, hearings on November 19th, 2020. And the next day, there was a vicious op ed in The New York Times slandering me. And it, it declared that I was a Trump supporter. I've never been a Trump supporter in my life. And yeah. it's how people jumped to this was uh, amazing. How people jumped to those comments that we got in Joe Rogan. I, you know, I know Joe, I went in the studio, we spent time together. 
Uh, I told them, listen, I'm politically middle of the road. There isn't an election where I don't vote for some Republicans, some Democrats. I mean, it's just I vote for the most qualified people. And uh, if if there's somebody at the presidential level who turns me off and is not dignified, I'm not going to vote for him. And so, uh, you know, how this happened the left is supposed to be about freedom, my body, my choice, yeah. uh, individuality, uh, individual rights, uh, the rights of minorities. Suddenly, the left couldn't give a damn about the rights of minorities, couldn't give a damn about civil rights. It, the left wanted to ramrod this vaccine down people, whether they could take it or not. They could care less if someone was damaged. And then the right, which is typically you know, not so sensitive to civil liberties, uh, you, you know, wants mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, takes a strong stand on this anti-abortion and takes a strong stand on uh, law and order and what have you. Suddenly the right is compassionate about my body, my choice. And the right yeah. is, it's just, it was, it's so interesting how this, how this came down. So tell us a little bit about how the movie is oriented into sections. Yeah, so I I put it at first I had it into four sections, <laughs> and then I was like, no, it, it it felt it as I when I finished my first cut and I had four sections, I was like, they're too long. It needs to be more guided. So I've divided it into ten sections, which is just kind of one person. When I was getting feedback, they're like, well, ten is a lot, and it's going to scare people away because they're going to be like, oh my god, ten sections. But they're you know they're like six minutes each uh, average, you know, and they um like six to eight minutes each and it's it was a really great way to begin you know because i begin i can i can compartmentalize like okay the trials okay the reactions okay the doctors okay the censorship then i even have the the humanity i have the science so i think it actually helps be a guide and i actually do have a plan down the road to release each of the sections individually but later like maybe in a couple months like once the you know the movie's been out a little bit so then people can actually just share sections but i do think the full journey is important of the movie so i'm i'm not going to do that yet but i do like it cuz it's it's different sections and so right and i think that i think that helps keep people's attention because it's like okay you're learning about the trials okay right when you're you might not be as interested in this section but oh here we are with adverse reactions and then and then the very last section well then i have a suicide section which is really important. And I was, you know, it's hard because you can't get people to like, there's some big, some suicide letters, like a lot of, like, we just had a suicide. We've had three suicides in the last two weeks in my group. Um, And they, you know, a couple of them have left suicide notes and I've been trying to get, I was like, if I could just get a couple lines from their suicide letters in the movie, but you, they don't, and their families don't want them to. And I completely understand. So um, I have the short suicide section, but I still wanted it in there because there are people killing themselves. There are people who are thinking about killing themselves, who feel so alone, who aren't getting any help, who are whose lives have been uprooted, who've lost their jobs, who've lost their houses, who are homeless, who won't stop, who can't work because of their bodies. And suicide is real, like it keeps happening. And so this is like, number one, like this is important. And that's what I want to do with this movie is I want to help change. I want to get help for these people. And it's going to happen with awareness and it's going to happen with awareness from the mainstream, not just the echo chamber of those of us who understand what's happening. That's so true. You know, I've used the phrase, I used it actually in the U.S. Senate, multiple presentations, crisis of compassion, yeah. that that we're in a some type of, of time. I think we're in, a, honestly, a special time in U.S. in history, worldwide history, because it's the same all over the world. 
where people are lacking compassion. And it happened from the very beginning with COVID. Uh, they, they lacked compassion about trying to help people avoid hospitalization and death. They lacked compassion uh, for having family members see loved ones before they pass away. Yeah. Lack compassion about people losing their jobs, having their military careers ruined or ended. And it didn't matter if it was ended with COVID or it didn't matter if it ended with the vaccine. It was the same. It, it was yeah. There was a lack of, of, of this crisis of compassion. You use the word multiple times during the film. Uh, you know, I had a chance uh, firsthand. It's interesting. And, and you would be interested in this because of who you are in Hollywood. Um, I had Eric Clapton reach out to me. And Eric said, I'm in Dallas. I want to meet you. I'm trying to come back on a tour. He wanted to meet me and my wife. We spent time with him. We went and met the band and I gave a TED talk for the band and he chatted with my wife and ultimately came over to my house for dinner. And my wife was trying to manage what was going on. Eric had a peripheral neuropathy previously, and it could have been from a variety of different uh, sources, but that was before COVID. But he took the first shot of AstraZeneca and he literally could not play the guitar. He could not play the guitar. Let me tell you, this is a guy who's been playing the guitar for probably 60 years. Eric's yeah. 76 now, and he can play the guitar unlike any, anybody else. And he took the shot because he wanted to tour. And the touring is the only way you can make money. He says, you don't make money as a musician um, you know, with Spotify or, or you know, on electronic sources of revenue. It doesn't happen. He goes, you tour. And his concern, he's made plenty of money in his career, but his concern was his band, his entourage. And when I got to chance to see, meet his band and how big it is and the technicians for each instrument, and what a big deal it is to put on a concert. It costs a fortune to keep these people employed and keep them engaged. So Eric felt like he had to go tour. He took this shot and then he couldn't play the guitar. And he's like, oh my gosh, now I really can't tour. Before he couldn't tour because he didn't have the vaccine. Now he has the vaccine. Now he can't play. And he describes this spiral, this psychological spiral that he's in. And it sounds like it has so many parallels to, to what you and other people have experienced. Ultimately, he pulls out of it. He has some partial recovery. But I can tell you, my wife that night had to manage all these ice packs and rotating ice packs and we're in and out of the freezers. And what it took to get Eric to just get through a dinner conversation and wow. get back to the hotel and you know he he had his comeback concert in Fort Worth a few days later. We went to it, and it was short, but he got through it. I was watching him carefully. I was I told myself, "Oh my lord, people have no idea yeah. about these vaccine injuries, particularly the neurologic ones." Now, one of the things that people have commented to me, we've had uh, Brianne Dressen, who I know is featured in the film, and others. One of the things that people have commented to me uh, on is, you know, hey, Dr. McCullough, these vaccine injured people, they don't look too sick. They, they look like, uh, yeah. you know, they, they could be, uh, you know, they, they could be doing this for secondary gain or other things. And I said, no, I think these neuropathies are real. I, you know, Eric Clapton's a straight shooter. I've had patients in my practice development, no doubt. But the one thing you did is you brought on some other people. Like, for instance, you brought on a young woman who's a medical assistant and she developed multi-system inflammatory disorder and was hospitalized. And, and everyone will know because she's in a wheelchair and she's got a tracheostomy tube. Can you tell us a little bit about meeting her? Yeah, she was, I met her at the rally. That's Nikki. And she, um, she is such a warrior. Like she, her life has totally changed. Um, she's documented a lot of her, her stuff. And, um, and she was, and she's in a wheelchair. She has a trach, a trach tube. Um, and she is funny because I told her, I was like, can I get some B-roll of you in the wheelchair? Because 
obviously, and she knew like using her, like people need to see that it can get this bad because that's what people are going to react to, which is actually unfortunate though, because there's a whole lot of us that, and I'm not even nearly the worst. Like I don't consider myself, like I, I can go on, but there's a lot of people that, you know, don't look so bad, but they still need a lot of help. But she, yeah, she's in a wheelchair. She was in the hospital after I interviewed her. Um, you know, it was this great weekend of meeting and talking and spending the weekend together. And then like a week later, she's back in the hospital. Um, same with Juliana. That was another girl. She's 19. She was 19 when she got the shot. I think she's like 20 now or 21. But a few of the people like shortly after ended up back in the hospital. And that's what was so hard too, was like, I interview them, I tell them, and then I'm keeping track. I'm like, oh, I'm in the hospital now. Oh, I'm, you know, I ha- they don't know what's going on. Now I can't, you know, go to the bathroom. I need a tube. Like all this stuff is happening. And yeah, and I was never sure medically like what that was and why some people have reactions that are so bad and why she actually needed a track. And, you know, a lot of people are in wheelchairs and then there's some people that aren't. And I I don't understand the, medis- the medical stuff behind the reactions and and what the differences are. Um, and why, and I wonder if, if we do, I know you've been, you know, a lot about it. So, but, but we haven't done research, you know, I mean, like as a, as a society. So it's just kind of like, I don't know, like there's just, I have a huge range of reactions in the movie and I, Andre, who's, you know, got the, I don't even know what Andre has (laughs) like, you know, but he's the guy, he just, his body seizes up and he just suddenly starts cramping and seizing and he can't move his body for like 10 minutes. You know, or actually, I think the longest one lasted a couple hours and he's just curled into a ball or his hands curl. And and I just it's it's crazy. I'm interviewing these people and I honestly don't understand anything about the medical stuff that's happened to them and why they're that way. But I I do know it's vaccine, <laughs> you know. Well, I can so, tell yeah. you as a doctor, the vaccine has created an entire new field of medicine to inject genetic material in the human body that codes for a lethal protein that was manipulated and, and, and engineered in a Chinese lab is something out of a science fiction movie. And what we're seeing in res- as results is something out of a science fiction movie. We're seeing syndromes that have never seen before. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the powerful things that I try to do in Substack is I'll describe a vignette of somebody who I've come in contact with and then I'll actually show the, the peer-reviewed manuscript where, where doctors have encountered this. And, and this is what they found in terms of autopsy or biopsy or laboratories to kind of show it's real. And that type of um, post-production thing for these documentaries, I think, is so critical. When I go on the highway, I cite the literature meticulously, and I do it uh, out, of, uh, out of real discipline. I think people know this now. When I go on national TV, I am precision. But it brings the reality to it that, well, this person has multi-system inflammatory disorder. Well, here's a paper on it published in Lancet mm-hmm. showing how disabled, disabling it is. The other thing that can be really powerful uh, for post-production, or I know there's many times you can get a, a, you know, a release or update films, is give one of those um, uh, storylines at the end where you describe each character. And say, uh, you know, since this time, this person's uh, progressively gotten better and done fine. This person's been hospitalized three times. This person was, you know, how it is when you're when you yes. watch a, that type of thing can bring some reality to it. Those two things, showing the uh, peer-reviewed literature, and then uh, telling people what's happened over time. I've reached out to person after person after person, and told them, listen, 
don't go on the media yourself. Team up with a doctor who's on your side who can explain this. Like for treatment of COVID, I reached out to Aaron Rodgers when Nicki Minaj's cousin had uh, orchitis. I reached out to her. And I still can't get traction with people who are public figures just going on with a doctor and having this uh, be explained. And it seems like this uh, shroud of, of fear and shame and regret does spill over to those who have sustained these in injuries. They're, they're, yeah. not, they're not mentally free of this dark cloud. No, not at all. It's I love that idea though. Like, yeah, having doctors go on with it to, but even, and even still that people still won't take it seriously is, is great. And, you know, and on the same token of censorship, I had to, I had like, I, I had to weigh how much, so I wanted this movie to be bulletproof as well. So I do, if you go to the website, every single study and every single news clip that I use in the movie is on the website, on the reference page. So if there was a video you want to see more of, if, you know, if I showed like three seconds and you want to watch the whole interview, it's all on the, it's all on the website. So, and every study, there's a link to the paper. So people can like, you know, if they have a second question about anything, but I also had to be like who I wanted to put Joe Rogan in it. Cause I have a few, like I have Russell Brand saying a few things and I'm like, well, I can't put Joe Rogan in it because he's too much of a trigger, even though I know he's not. And, you know, but I, and I thought about you as well. Like I was like, when I was deciding what to put in the movie, I'm like, at the beginning, I was like, well, I can't put Dr. McCullough in the movie because he's become too much of a, of a hot thing, which I don't agree with. But if I'm trying to reach the mainstream and I'm trying to reach people who are really skeptical, like if they're going to be like, oh, McCullough, that's the one who was on Rogan. That's the one Malone. Oh, blah, 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 blah. you know, so there were certain people and like you and Malone were like two people that I was like, I guess I have to leave them out of the movie. Um, but then I just started getting more and more angry because I'm like, why, why you're so credentialed. Like you're the high, you've written the most papers, you know, in cardiology. I mean, it's just the most published, like why, why, you know? So what I did was, you know, I actually only have Robert Malone saying one thing in the movie and then I black out his face and it's during the censorship section. And I'm basically saying, oh, this is a credentialed person, whether he's right or wrong, he's blacklisted. So I have him say a sentence and then I black him out just to kind of show that. And I do the same thing with you, except for I also then I also have put, put you in other places in the movie because I was like, that's just ridiculous. Like you say such great things and you're so knowledgeable. Why wouldn't I have you in this movie? But the fact that I had to go back and forth with that and I still had to limit it. Like I was like, I'm only going to choose a few things from McCullough, you know, because I don't want the, you know, the witch hunt to start right away. And, and it's really wrong and it's really it's really bad. But like that was kind of how I had to think, you know. Now, I have a question for you. We're going to have to wrap it up in the next few minutes, but do you think there's a tipping point that's going to relate to a public figure? Let me give you an example. Do you think if uh, Tom Brady takes the vaccine, he's paralyzed in a wheelchair the rest of his life, or Oprah Winfrey takes the vaccine, do you you think something like that is going to be the tipping point? I, I mean, do we have to do we have yeah. to just hit the biggest public figure and knock them out? And then people would say, well, the vaccine's a bad thing. Yeah. Well, and on top of that, they have to say it was. For example, I, I don't know if this is taboo to say, but Celine Dion, I mean, she she was about to go on tour and she got her booster, I'm sure, because she was about to go on tour. And it was at that point that she had unexplainable um, neurological spasms. 
And that was like in, and she postponed her tour for six months. And I've been watching her since then. Cause I'm like, wow, she postponed her unexplainable neurological symptoms. And it's right at the booster time. And then for a whole year after she kept postponing, postponing. And now she's come up with some like one in a million stiff person syndrome. And I don't know, like, obviously I can't say she would, but I don't know. Like uh, to me, that's a pretty obvious one, but it takes, it's going to take a celebrity, but it's going to take them admitting it. And like, that's the next thing is it's like, if Celine Dion, if this is a reaction, is she not admitting it? Is she not aware? Like that's an, like, if this happened to Oprah, would Oprah stay quiet too? Like, are, are they that brainwashed? And like, I know I don't have the right to say that what's going on with Celine Dion, but um, I guess the point is that even if Oprah did something, yes, I think if something happened to somebody big, that's unfortunately what we need to bring awareness to it but they also have to admit because i think things have happened to people big and they're not admitting it you know asim malhotra a cardiologist in the uk who took the vaccine himself was promoting the vaccine his dad took it his dad died of the vaccine does his own research publishes his papers communicates with me for a year finally comes out and we've done some uh, speaking events together the press we put out a small mini documentary called until proven otherwise, meaning it is the vaccine until proven otherwise. And we do this, by the way, in research. Anything that happens within 30 days of any new product is always assumed to be the new product, always. New diabetes drug, new seizure medicine, new cancer drug, always. And so uh, what we've noticed over time, it's actually started with Hank Aaron, former baseball great. He takes the vaccine, he gives a press conference, he's early in January 2021, about 10 days later, he, di- he dies. And it starts from there. We've had notable death after notable death. We had two deaths related to the vaccine and COVID. One was Larry King, a CNN uh, anchor and you know media figure, as well as mm-hmm. Col- Colin Powell, former Secretary of State. <clears throat> We've had uh, uh, Justin Bieber develop mm-hmm. Ramsey-Hunt syndrome, which is a classic syndrome of taking the vaccine. His wife had a blood clot that shot through a patent frame in valley and had to have that physically retrieved. So there you have a couple there. Yeah, You have uh, Herb Kirk Street, ESPN commentator, multiple, it takes COVID, multiple shots, blood clots. Uh, you got Deion Sanders, great player for the Cowboys, arterial emboli syndrome, multiple amputations. He does an entire docuseries and still fails to recognize that the vaccine is the cause of the problem in his docuseries. We've had Al Al Roker, weatherman, uh, multiple blood clots, hospitalized twice. We had uh, Midget Lewis, who's a wonderful CNN correspondent. You know, many of these people I mentioned, by the way, are Uh, African-American. She, uh, CNN legal correspondent, she dies and the the, the obituary says it's an acute allergic reaction to the vaccine. There's no doubt about it. I mean, these are clear-cut cases. Sean Kasten, uh, congressman from Illinois, uh, you're pushing the vaccine, pushing the vaccine, says he's going to take his kids to get vaxxed. His daughter gets vaxxed and she dies in her sleep. And the doctor said she died of arrhythmia, but he still doesn't put it together. I guess what I'm saying is I could go on for a couple hours. We've had yeah. enough notable people. I think you're right. I think the difference is someone coming out then and absolutely going on the war path Yes. And saying these vaccines aren't safe. And that's what we haven't had. None of these families have spoken up. They seem to be afraid, uh, shameful, regretful, but they yeah. will not come out. Most of the time now, we just hear someone died and the family members don't say anything. They never say if they took the vaccine or not. Yeah. 
Exactly. And you feel like a heartless person because your head goes immediately to, or I mean, we had a neighbor die who was 40, had a stroke, healthy. And the first thing you want to say is did they, you know, they just get the booster and, but you can't, cause that makes you uncompassionate, I guess. Like you, you can't bring that up. Like, and it makes you feel crazy, but it's just like, no, we need to start putting this together, you know? And even if like Taylor Hawkins died, right. And his heart was like 14 times. I don't even know, like super enlarged the Foo Fighters drummer. And then they want to say, oh, well, he did drugs and he did this. And but he had been clean or supposedly. But even so, I'm like, well, then maybe if you do drugs, you definitely shouldn't get the vaccine. <laughs> like, you know, like maybe that's a reason not to get the vaccine if you're a drug addict, if you've already put pressure on your heart. Like, I don't you know, just not there's not an excuse. Like, oh, well, he was a drug addict. That's why he died. And it's just it's crazy. Well, you know, if 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 a drug addict uh, got endocarditis, a heart valve infection or had a bad neuropathy, we would have compassion for them. We'd take care of them. Right. We take care of suicide uh, 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 overdose. We take care of homicide victims, uh, perpetrators. I think there's something very, very special and unique going on since COVID-19. It's a worldwide phenomenon. Uh, your film and your efforts are so wonderful. Um, in fact, I'll volunteer to help you on anything you want to do to revise it and improve it over time. Hopefully, it can be almost like a living documentary where you can update uh, things that are, are going on. We're going to have to leave it here. Uh, do you have any final words regarding anecdotals for our audience? Uh, our audience, by the way, is uh, United States, Europe, South America, Australia, all over the world. Any final quick words on the, the movie? Yeah, just it's available everywhere in the world where there's internet for free. Um, I, we've, we've made it available with no ads for free, not trying to make money off of it, just trying to get the word out. It's on the website, which is uh, www.anecdotalsmovie.com. And you can watch it for free and please share it, especially if you have people who are who are pro-vaccine in your life, who have a hard time listening. I made this to be easy to digest. I made this to share. I made this to make a change by going mainstream with it and not just being an angry documentary that circulates the echo chamber, but this is one that can actually cross boundaries so please share it please watch it it's available free everywhere in the world on the website um yeah on the website anecdotalsmovie.com well we're gonna have to leave it there jennifer thank you so much for being on the mccullough report thank you this was great let's get real let's get loud on america loud talk radio this is a mccullough report 